Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rob, and we are back with episode number 276 of Shut Up and Grind, where we talk about overcoming obstacles, defying the odds, and inspiring you to clear whatever is blocking your path to whatever success you want in this life. So if you're brand new, please, uh, well, welcome. And uh, make sure, sure you stay all the way through, because every episode, we drop golden nugget after golden nugget. I bring guests on from all over the world, had guests from six different continents. At some point, we're going to find somebody chilling out in Antarctica, and I'm going to get them on and interview them, too. So now we're going to dive in, because as you all know, I started coaching track again, so we're going to ha have a hard out around 2.30, 2.35. So we're going to dive right in with today's topic, how to improve intimacy in your marriage and slash relationship. So now they always say never take advice from single people. That, that's me. So fortunately, I found an expert on the topic. So let's welcome Monica Tanner to the show. Welcome. Hello, hello. <laughs> Where are you joining me from? Uh, Boise, Idaho. Boise. Awesome. I went to a fitness conference in California. This was in 2014. And I met a gym owner from Boise, Idaho. Who would have thought? Small world. Are, are you originally from there? No, originally from Dallas, Texas. So uh, okay. I moved up here with my husband 22 years ago. Nice. Moved up for, for work? Uh, nope. I met my husband and he was from here and oh, okay. just raved about it. And when I saw it, I, I knew what he was talking about. So we decided to move here and raise our family. Awesome. What did you like about it? Uh, it's beautiful, outdoorsy. It's very family friendly. Um, I, you know, I always describe Dallas as kind of a concrete wasteland. There's just a lot of strip malls and buildings. And mm. I mean, it's a, oh, there's lots and lots to do there, um, but not a lot to do outdoors. So when we yeah. got here to Boise and the mountains were just 20 minutes away and there's mm. lakes all around us and beautiful places to go backpacking and hiking and do all of the really cool outdoorsy things, I just, I fell in love. You're speaking my, my language. I love all of those things. <laughs> so, like, I'm here in Rhode Island. So, our our mountains, like, the closest mountain to here is about maybe 45 minutes. Like, it's not a big, big one. But the, the bigger ones, we go, uh, you know, a couple hours up into uh, Vermont and New Hampshire. But I absolutely love love being outdoors. During the spring, summer, fall. I'm, yes. not, a I'm not a winter fan. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so, how did you, you go, go down this path to become the relationship guru? You know, great question. Uh, when I was a little girl, I was obsessed with all the Disney movies and fairy tales. And I used to run around the house and flip my hair like Ariel and dance around like Belle. And when I was 12 years old, my parents announced that they were getting a divorce. And I was like, wait, what? No, this is not how the love stories end. Like, you're not supposed to break up. So um, I became obsessed at that point with what makes marriage strong, lasting, and, and happily ever after because I didn't want that to be me. I wanted to get married once for time and all eternity. I wanted to find my Prince Charming. And um, so I pretty much at that point dedicated my life to it. And the problem was is I didn't see a lot of really great examples around me. There was a lot of divorce in my family, a lot of unhappiness. Uh, and then also, you know, just seeing my friends, uh, parents, you know, wasn't the, not a ton of super great examples there either. So uh, it took me a long time to really find some marriage mentors that I wanted to emulate and learn from. And so I 
decided to, as I was growing my relationship and really strengthening my skill sets, I wanted to share that with other people as well. All right. So outside of communication, what would you say is the number one factor that drives a wedge between couples? You know, that it's funny how you ask that because most people, when you ask them, what's, what's going on, what are you struggling with? They'll all say communication. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, however, communication doesn't, I mean, communication, what, like it doesn't stand alone. So, uh, mm. most of the, 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 what people that I work with struggle with intimacy, meaning they want to be really close and connected to their partner. However, all of us as humans, what we really want is for someone to just tell us how amazing we are all the time and to buy into the vision we have of ourselves. And mm. that doesn't always work out great in marriage because uh, your partner becomes kind of a mirror. And so what they're doing is they're holding up a, a picture of who you really are. And so intimacy, really building emotional, physical, recreational, all the different types of intimacy, including sexual intimacy, is about breaking down those barriers, really allowing someone to see who you are completely, the good, the bad, the ugly, and also being able to tolerate somebody else for all the good and the bad and the ugly, not just how we want to view them. So building intimacy in a marriage is actually way more difficult than people might think. However, it is done by small and simple things. So it's complicated, but can it be accomplished very simply? Okay, so do you work with people who have had the wedge dug so far deep and were able to help pull them out? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. The The bulk of my clients right now are actually, they've been married between 20 and 30 years. They're actually wow. kind of going through the empty nest phase. And so what I talk about so much, what happens is we, we uh, find somebody that we're absolutely enamored with. We love them so much. We hang on their every word. And we're just certain that this person is, you know, the most perfectest person that we could spend the rest of our lives with. Right. And so we decide to get married and everything is so amazing until we realize that this person is actually a normal human with limitations and annoying habits and, you know, all of these things. And what happens is we start to see those limitations and, you know, humanness of our partner. But we also, at the same time, life hits and we get, you know, we start having children and building our careers and we've got mortgage payments and car payments and, you know, real life is kind of tricky. And so what happens is we start establishing these patterns of interaction. And a lot of times they don't give us the results that we want, but we don't always know the things that are operating in the background. So I, I talk about it kind of like a cell phone, right? Like, like, uh, sometimes that there's programs running in the back of our phones that are draining all of the, the battery life. So we're like, why? I just, I feel like I just took this off the charger. Why am I already out of battery? So it's those, it's that programming. It's the, it's the ideas we have about ourselves, the stories we tell about ourselves, all of the things that are running in the background and kind of pulling out that energy. And so it's, it's causing us when we don't, 
see them to show up in our marriage in a way that's draining the energy or draining the intimacy or love and connection out of the marriage. But we get really busy with raising our children and doing all the things. And we don't realize until we've, we're in about 20 years and our kids are starting to leave the house. We're looking down the barrel of retirement. Our parents are aging and, and you know, uh, it, it's kind of this new phase of life where we kind of, a lot of people turn to each other and go, wait, I don't even know this person. I don't even know if I like them. Like we've got another 20, 30 years. And the decision there is really that I talk to a lot of people about is you can either roll up your sleeves and renovate this house. You know, like when we get married, it's like we, we, we just moved into this bright, shiny house with so many possibilities, but over the term course of our marriage, things break down, things, you know, get old and kind of, you know, we, we mistreat things. And, and so, so by 20, 30 years, we're looking at this kind of old, dilapidated, outdated home, and we can either choose to roll up our sleeves and renovate it and make it, you know, beautiful and, 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 and preserve all of the, the memories and the things that we've, we've created there, or what some couples decide to do is just scrap it and start all over with a new home, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where couples come to see me is when they're trying to decide what the next step is. Okay. So, you know, when you say that some people will just say, say, forget it and get a new home. I feel like people do that with relationships as well, though. <laughs> well, that's say, what, hey, it's, you know. it's a metaphor for relationships, right? It's like this yes. one's not working. There's going to be a lot of work to get it to where we need it to be. And so they'll just scrap it. Yeah. like And, and well, I, I can only speak for, for myself. And like, because I've been there. I've been there myself. And you end up finding someone who's very similar to the person you just left. And it's like the, all the problems that were there before end up surfacing in this person, you know? Yeah. So like maybe, yeah, you just, you know, what do they always say? Um, you know, you the grass, the grass grows where you water it. I, I yeah, believe that's the, that's the saying. Important quote. Yep. Yes. All right. So what do you, what do you find? are some, some of the best tips to get people going in the right direction? Yeah, so, so many, so good. Uh, I would think number one is to decide to prioritize your marriage. And you can do this at any point. You can do it at the beginning of your marriage. You can do it after you've been together 20 or 50 years. Uh, it's just a matter of deciding that you're going to make this relationship really important to you. And a lot of people say, oh, yeah, like everything I do, I do it for my for my family, for my marriage. Right. I, I work hard. I, you know, all of the different things I do, I do it for my family. But there's a huge difference in saying that you're prioritizing your relationship and actually doing it. And a lot of times what I do is I have people look at their to-do list and their calendar and how many times is your spouse make it on there, right? Because our, our, our calendars have all of our important appointments on there. We put our dentist appointments, we put our podcast interviews, you know, all the things that are important to us, they make it on our calendar or on our to-do list, right? We have things that are really important, tasks that we want to accomplish, we put them on our to-do list. But we say that our marriage is our top priority and our family is our top priority, but where do they have a place on our calendar? Do we get excited for date night? Do we get excited to connect at the end of a long day? Do we 
put them on our to-do list? Like we're thinking about them during the day. Do we send them random texts? Do we pick up their favorite treat at the grocery store? Do we think about them, you know, after we got out of a big meeting? Like those types of things are really simple, but they do speak to, are we prioritizing our most important relationship? Are we setting aside the time, energy, and financial resources to really make that relationship a priority to us? Great answer. So as you were talking, um, you reminded me of, of something I read the other day that I wanted to get your opinion on. So speaking of prioritizing your, mm -hmm. your partner, so this article I read said that you have a much higher chance of relationship success if you prioritize. This was mainly talking towards women. If you mm -hmm. prioritize your husband over your children. A hundred percent. Okay. Absolutely. Right. Because if you do it right, I mean, your kid, you were, you were together before your kids came along in most cases. I mean, you know, there are second marriages, of course, and things like that, but yeah. you and your spouse, but even in that case, you prioritize your spouse over your children because if you do it right, your children will map you. They will see the example that you set and then they will leave and they will create their own relationship and have their own marriage using the example that you set. Now, if you make your children the center of your universe, meaning you put them above your spouse, not only is that horrible for them and for your family, but also when they start to leave in this time period that I'm talking about, you know, uh, after you've been married 20, 30 years and you you've built your, you know, everything around your children. Well, then what happens? Right. I mean, if the, the foundation of your marriage leaves and grows up and, you know, goes off to create their own family, then your foundation crumbles. So the foundation needs to be your relationship with your spouse. Love it. So along those same lines, how about physically letting yourself go? <laughs> well, I mean, yes. well, well, it's like, sorry, before, before you dive in, because I'm a fitness coach. So yeah, great. You know, I, I work with mo with mostly women and I, I hear a lot of stories on both sides from, you know, the woman le letting herself go or the man letting, letting himself go. So just in your experience, how big of a role does, like, do you see that playing? Well, I do feel like attraction and confidence are very, very, very important in a marriage. And so I talk a lot about physical fitness as well. I run marathons. Uh, my husband and I work out at the gym every day together. Um, I think it's really important because when you have that self-confidence, when you feel good about yourself, especially women, uh, then you show up better, not only in your marriage, but you show up as a better mother and a better human because you have that energy, you have that confidence and you have that, you know, kind of that, that passion that you feel alive. Right. So I was just using this example yesterday. I woke up a little bit late and got my, my kids to school. And then I had an interview like this one, it was earlier in the morning than usual. And so I, I had a really easy out a reason why I, you know, didn't need to go to the gym. My workout buddies are out of town and, you know, my husband had already worked out. And so I was like, it would be very easy for me to skip this workout. And I was so grateful that I didn't, I went and ran, I did my, my tempo run and I showed up for my interview 
like a little bit cleaned up, but not really. I mean, my hair was frizzy and I wasn't wearing makeup, but I did the interview, but I could feel the energy and vitality that I had given myself through that workout, right? If I hadn't done it, I probably would have been a little sluggish, a little less passionate, a little less me. So, you know, you've got to prioritize yourself and your health and it does absolutely spill over into your relationship, the way you feel about yourself and how you honor and respect your body and who you are. Okay, so now I'm gonna I'm thinking in the mind of that busy person, <laughs> like right. So how how am I prioritizing my significant other? How am I prioritizing myself and making time for the kids and to do everything else that goes into my day? Because I know there's gonna be somebody watching that's gonna have that exact question. Yeah. So when I teach this, it's really uh, quite interesting because I've taught it for a very long time, and I finally had a friend do the math for me. And it's shockingly, uh, you can prioritize really, really well without spending a whole lot of time. So when I say prioritize your marriage, you just have to make it one of the big rocks. I'm, I'm sure you've, you've seen, your listeners have seen kind of the, um, oh, what's it called? The object lesson of the two jars, right? And if you and a jar represents your time. And here's the incredible thing about time is that no matter who you are, no matter how uh, attractive you are, no matter how much you can bench, no matter how fast you can run, how much money you make, how many friends you have, how popular you are, nothing, nobody gets more than 24 hours in a day. We, you cannot buy more time. Like there is no way to manipulate time. So we all get the same exact amount of time, right? Now, if, if a mason jar represents the amount of time you have in a day, if you try to put, you know, sand and, you know, all of the little things into your mason jar first, and, and you fill it up with little things that might seem important, and then you try to put these big rocks that represent the things that are most important to you, they're not going to fit. But the beautiful thing about that is that if you put the big rocks in first, which is what we should all be doing, then there's so much more space in the jar for all the little things to kind of fall around the big things, right? So I have a lot of my students will, will talk when they're talking to their spouse, they're like, I just want to be a big rock, right? It's really important to make our relationship the big rocks and put them in first. So when I teach about this concept in, in the sense of relationships, I talk about the two most important things you can do. Number one is called daily connections. And that's taking 20 out of the 1,440 minutes that we all have in a day, right? We can't buy more of them. Nobody gets less of them. We all get the exact same amount of minutes. So if you will take 20 out of the 1,440 minutes of a day and connect with your partner, and this is meaningful connection. This means put down your just put down your distractions, you know, do it when your kids are occupied. You give your spouse your undivided attention for the purpose of connecting, mapping their inner worlds. So this isn't like how was your day? This is like what got you excited today? What are you, what did you learn today? Who did you enjoy talking to today? What gets, you know, what stresses you out? What can I do to make your life easier for you? It's learning about the experience that your spouse is having in the world, right? So 20 minutes 
And you're going to end that with some form of physical affection, meaning you can look into each other's eyes, you can hold each other's hand, you can kiss, you can hug, you can give each other a back rub, whatever. But the end of this 20 minutes, you're going to do some physical representation of the emotional connection you've made. And that happens every single day, every day, daily connections. And the second most important thing you can do is date nights, weekly non-negotiable date nights. And when I teach this, I teach three hours. You are doing something fun, enjoyable, making memories with your partner. Again, eliminating distractions. You're making your partner the most important person on your calendar, in your schedule, in your entire life. You're showing them this this marriage, this our relationship is important to me. You are important to me. I love spending this time with you. Uh, it doesn't have to be expensive, elaborate, or far from home. It just has to be intentional, marked out on the calendar, planned in advance, and, and executed, right? So those are date nights. Now, if you take 20 minutes a day and three hours a week, that is less than 3% of your time that you're spending on what you say is your top priority. So how do we get it all done? We make the most important thing, the most important thing. And then there's plenty of time and space for all of the other things. Most people spend more than that on social media. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah wow, that's just imagine. That's the magic. Yeah. Now, of course, as I'm listening to you talking, I'm thinking back to, you know, some of my my past relationships and just from especially if you have offsetting work schedules, mm -hmm. like I would work seven to five and she would work like five to two, I want to say. So it was kind of like, hey, hey, high, high five. The kids need this. This is in the oven for dinner. And and then off we go. And it was like that for years, mm -hmm. you know, and so like the like the whole connection piece just it was, it was just lost. You know, yeah. it was just Sometimes lost. You got to get creative with it. Yes. Yeah. And then what happens, and again, I'm only speaking from my experience, is then resentment kicks in. Because mm. it's like, you know, you want you want that intimacy. And then when they go to give it, it's not always received because, you know, the defenses are up, you know, mm -hmm. or, or it's like, what do you want? <laughs> you know, resentment like, is like the number one killer of intimacy. We got to get yes. rid of that resentment. Yes. All right. So, so how, so I'm assuming you hear that often then when you work with people. <laughs> Yeah. Resentment is kind of, it's kind of a sneaky silent killer because it doesn't happen all at once. And you start to realize that you're, so your kind of concept here, the true power lies in your story. Resentment is all about the stories we tell each other. We tell ourselves about what's happening. It's all about, you know, our thoughts and the kind of what we make things mean. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we are in control of our resentment as much as we think that it controls us. And when we're not aware of it, it does control us. But once we uh, kind of take charge and recognize and take responsibility for our own thoughts, our own actions, uh, and we learn what I call, so um, uh, matter is ruled by physics, right? There are laws of physics and you can't like argue with them. They're just the laws that govern matter. And just in the same way, there are also laws that govern relationships. And so when we are aware of these laws that are 
governing our relationships, we start to empower ourselves to get rid of a lot of that resentment. And so much of it has to do with our thought patterns and the stories we tell about what's happening to us in our lives. Yes. So I want to get your thoughts on this as well. How do you feel about having defined rules in the household? Now, I'm not talking about like in the 1920s, you know, <laughs> just like, you know, I, I was in a 13 year year relationship and we had departments. You know, it's like, it's like we had departments like it's my job to keep the lights on. It's it was her job to make sure there were light bulbs in the house. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it, it was it was my job to do. I did the food shopping. I did the cooking. You know, she took care of like the toiletries, the shampoos, the soaps, the dishwasher, the, I mean, the, the like detergents and all that stuff. And it, and it worked well. So there was no real infighting in that regard because mm-hmm. we because uh, like we knew if, if the lights got shut off, I messed up. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> if I needed to screw in the light bulb and we didn't have any, she knew she messed up. Like there was no arguing. Oh, that's <laughs> <a> great... <laughs> you know? yeah. so, so just what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's a great way to divide things up. Uh, I think that that roles, the way you're defining them, is is kind of a living, breathing uh, document, right? So it's not something that's like a one and done. You create it, and then it's. I think it looks different for every couple, uh, and it has to do a lot with your experiences growing up, your expectations, and things like that. So open communication about those roles is really, really important. But it's also really important to be able to redefine those roles as different things come up in your relationship, because you know that the only constant in life is change. Things are always changing. We're growing, we're evolving, we're learning new things. Uh, You know, our, our kids are in different stages. You know, we take on different responsibilities, work life looks different. So, you know, COVID hits, there's all types of things that throw wrenches in this idea of, you know, what our roles are. And so the most important thing is that you're communicating about the roles and that you can both be open to, you know, renegotiating those roles as they come up in in different stages and phases of life. Yeah, like that's one of my pet peeves when people say, oh, I, I hate change. And I'm like, do you have a smartphone? (laughs) <laughs> like, or yeah, do you still have technology update? <laughs> yeah, like, or do you still have the big bulky phone that you had to turn turn with the dial? You know, it's like, like, are you not wearing the latest fashions, the the newest, the newest shoes? It's like, don't don't tell me you don't like change. You know, like yeah. people are very, very, very selective about it. It's know? true, <laughs> but people are very uh, uh, resistant to change. I mean, it's true. Yeah. Our brains are trying to keep us safe, and they're like danger, danger. This is the unknown. You don't know what this is. And so mm. our brains do try to keep us safe by, by keeping things the same. So that's why it's so important to, to empower ourselves, to know how to really be okay with those types of changes. Cause I, you know, I, I get it when people say, I don't like change. Well, of course we don't like change. We, we like the safety of, you know, what we know. Well, like me, I'm very spontaneous and, I, and I'm a risk taker. So it's like, I like I'll change on a dime. Like no matter, no matter that that's just me. Like I said, that's just how I'm wired. But so um, you know, when it comes to connecting with with others, you kind of have to have some of the same kind of principles. I would say, 
You know, because like it, it'd be kind of hard to have a health nut and then someone who smokes and eats, eats junk food all day. You know? Right, right. right. <laughs> it's like they're out there, you know, like they're out there. Like I've trained people who who have that person for, for a significant other. But there's got to be some level of like a core found foundation. Like what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So again, I mean, I think that looks really different for everyone. I think that we are drawn to uh, people that are different than us for many reasons. But one is just because, you know, we often see in others what we would like to develop in ourselves. So a lot of times you'll have somebody who uh, is very structured and organized with somebody who, who sounds a little bit more like you, like fly by the seat of their pants, like change (laughs) on a dime. Right. And that probably works well in a lot of scenarios because you know, that, that, that organized calming influence is good for you while, you know, for the organized person that, you know, if they're going to have any fun, they've got to get with somebody like you. Right. So, <laughs> so a lot of times you can have like complementary uh, values or complementary characteristics that kind of enrich the relationship. I think what's most is important is that we can come to a point where we respect our differences rather than fight against them. Because what happens is, is most people kind of ignore a lot of those differences while they're dating. And there's like, you know, all these chemicals rushing to their brain and they think Mm -hmm. this person is the best human on the planet. And so they (laughs) kind of ignore a lot of those differences until after the wedding day. And they're like, Oh, wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know this person was going to make me late to everything. And like, you know, all of these things, right? So they all, all of a sudden you're seeing clearly now and you're like, oh, but there's two ways you can go. You can either fight against those differences and use it as proof that you're not right for each other. You made a big mistake, or you can respect those differences and how they can bless your relationship and help balance you guys out. Absolutely. All right. So give us some final words and then uh, let people know how they can get in touch with you and what you got going on. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, You can find me at uh, monicatanner.com. That's the easiest way to find all the things. But I have a podcast called Secrets of Happily Ever After. Or Secrets of Happily Ever After. I have a YouTube channel by the same name. So whether you like listening or watching, uh, you can find us there at Secrets of Happily Ever After. But I think what I would, the final thing that I would say is that nobody is born either good at relationships or not good at relationships. And I think that's something, a story that a lot of times we like to tell, like, oh, I'm just not, I'm just not cut out for a relationship or, you know, I just, I'm not good at it or it's never going to happen for me. Um, But the truth is, is it is a skill set. It's a skill set that anyone can learn if you're willing to, you know, be bad at it before you're good at it. If you're willing to keep trying and practicing and starting over and trying again, um, you can absolutely develop the skills with or without your partner to raise the level of intelligence and maturity of your relationship. So, you know, no matter what phase or stage of your relationship you're at, you can always raise the level of, of, of functioning in your relationship just by learning certain skill sets. Love it. All right. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. Um, you know, we're not, we're not, well, we're done today, but uh, we're not done. I'm going to have, have you back on again. We dive a little bit deeper into that. And for your show, I've actually interviewed several, several other relationship coaches that I can connect you with. 
that would guys, be amazing. Yeah, so if you want to, it's Dr. Holly Batty. And I don't know if you're familiar with her. Mm-hmm. I, I had a great, I, had, I mean, I had good episodes with everyone, but but like, yeah, she added a lot of really good insights. And then Michelle Hoffman as well. And I think there's one or two more. I'd have to go back through the through the list because after doing so, so many shows now, I can't re- remember every every single one off the top of my head. But I know those two those two stood out. So I'll send you over there. Uh, actually, um, you followed me on on Facebook, right? So I'm connected with both of them on Facebook. So I'll make a, a messenger int- introduction and then you guys can take it from there. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. My pleasure. Well, thank you again and have yourself a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Until next time, shut up and grind.